Hey, murder lovers. My name is Mackenzie. And this is Fatina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back. Happy New Year. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> All the things. <laughs> and coming up on Valentine's Day. Oh, man. It's been a minute. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, Mackenzie and I have been catching up um, since she came over today. Obviously, I can, you can tell we missed you. <laughs> All the stories. I know. Kara texted me yesterday and she was like, I miss your face. And I was like, tomorrow's the day. Uh, we've been gone for a while, guys. And we did not intend to be gone this long. But it felt so good. But it was, I think, needed for mental health, for physical health, for all the healths. We went and each saw our respective families during Christmas break and whatnot. And after that, we decided to take a a little break, a little self-quarantine from each other just to make sure that we're safe and everything. Yep. So uh, we are back. We're both super giddy about talking on the cases that we discovered. So uh, because sometimes, you know, as we're researching, it's just... uh, you know, as I'm scrolling or trying to find what case I'm going to cover it, some of them I'll get, you know, a good hour into researching. I'm like, there's just not, not enough there. But when I find a case, I go deep. So this is one of those. Yeah. So we're both really excited. Hope everyone had a safe, happy holiday season. Mm -hmm. And we are ready for 2021. All guns a blazing. I think, this is going to be our best year ever. We're, we've got a lot of things in the works. So, I yeah. deserve a good year. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> All right. I deserve it. So 2021 is going to be our year. I don't even need it to be my year. I just need it to be like a normal year. I just need it to be like subpar. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not asking for the world or anything like that. I'm just asking for like to come out of it without more PTSD at this point. <laughs> Uh, something's in the works. Kenzie's getting a puppy. I'm getting yeah. a puppy. So exciting. And I shared that with you guys on my, on our, not mine, our. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was like really possessive of me. It's a situation. <laughs> um, on our Instagram page at a stranger danger podcast plug. So I put him on there on New Year's Eve, like hypothetically, if I were going to get a puppy, like what should I name it? And then the next day I was like, okay, I'm getting a puppy. Yeah. Um, his name is Navy, like the color. And, um, yes, I pick him up Valentine's Day weekend, so I am very excited about him. So, prepare your feeds for adorableness. Oh my gosh, I just, I can hardly wait. I already, like, I already feel myself, like, rejoining the world a little bit more, just with the idea of him. Yeah. So, I'm excited to see... Just a cuddly, cute little face. Yeah, I'm excited to see how my current mental health state continues to improve once he's actually physically here yeah even um, just the idea of him yeah makes you look literally happier <laughs> the idea of him has been a game changer for me and that's when I like I knew that I was gonna get him because the night I started like thinking about getting him I like I left my mom's house that night in the best mood that I had been in Good. since the accident happened yeah and so I knew I was like yes this needs to happen yeah Feeling we already ex- love him yeah. we're already planning like 
puppy dates and <laughs> feeling excitement about something again feels really good. Like yeah. I haven't felt excited about something in a in a very long time. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah. I think that's starting to translate in other areas. Like I you guys saw a lot of you guys saw my rant on Instagram the other day about <laughs> the Night Stalker on Netflix. Fatina didn't see it. Nope. Cause she doesn't care <laughs> about what I post. <laughs> And I'm very upset about it. That's not true. <laughs> um, to summarize, The Night Stalker aired on Netflix, which Fatina hasn't watched yet. So we're going to hold spoilers for her. That, I mean, I know the story. Okay. But. You covered him. It was I, like our second episode. No, no, no. Not Richard. No, that's Rodney Alcala that you're oh, thinking Oh, that's right. Of. There was another uh, the dating special game on killer. Him, though, right? He was on 2020. That's and they did right. a great job, BT okay. Dub. They did a great job on that one. They also did a great job on the John Bonet one that just came out this last week. So I watched that. I watched that too. And they did a great job. They're also stalking us because then they announced that they were going to do one on Elisa Lamb right after we talked about her on our last podcast. So yeah. thank you so much for copying us. But I watched the Night Stalker one on Richard Ramirez and that is the guy that has the really like rotted, sharp, pointy teeth or whatever. Ew. Like he's Ew. nasty. And no spoilers, but... The part that I went on a rampage about was during his trial, all of these women were showing up as like groupies, kind of like same Ted Bundy situation. But then they were also like mailing him like naked photos of themselves and sexual fantasies of like him with them and blah, blah, blah. So like I got on our IG stories and I was like, I have a problem with this on so many levels. First of all, he's repulsive, like physically repulsive like his teeth are rotting he smells bad he has like really bad body odor but also has like a a smell from his mouth because he has rotted and infected teeth so his mouth is rotting and everything like that and these women are sending him like these naked pictures and one of the detectives was like in all my years or whatever i haven't seen anybody that's been on trial with as much sex appeal as him and i was like bitch where like where though where where is it and then they were like black out blacking out their face like with a black sensor bar so you couldn't For the see women. the women like okay. they were protecting their identities and i was like show yourself i want to see so i know who to hold accountable for this um like Who's let's, grandma are you now i need yeah, to know let's not like do them that favor because like I, my feeling is is if you're dumb enough to like find yourself in that situation like be prepared to put on, be put on blast yeah and then somebody was being interviewed and she was like you know they asked her what she thought of it and she was like those are some of the dumbest bitches <laughs> i was like <laughs> preach preach i mean at least with ted bundy he was like presentable Actually, somebody sent us a meme of, like, the, who is, what cartoon is that with the seal that has the unibrow and the buck teeth or whatever, and they were like, every mm. time I think of somebody calling Ted Bundy hot, and I was like, <laughs> that's actually pretty accurate. So, yeah, so I went on that whole, like, rampage. So, bringing that full circle is, like, I feel like parts of my personality are starting to come back with stuff like that and more willingness good. to, like, engage again. And it felt really good to get that off my chest about that Netflix show because <laughs> I had so many qualms about it. Um, but I do highly recommend that. If you haven't watched it already, please do so. Fatina will watch it at some point. But no, I've tonight. already tasked her with watching other yeah. things. So, Which I have. Yes. Do you want to talk about it? No, because that's what we're doing for the next episode. Gotcha. Robert Durst, right? Yep. Yeah, that's the, the next episode. Okay, good. Yeah. Because I need a 
an explanation. Yeah. <laughs> I need explanations. Yes. <laughs> okay. So our next episode, we'll be covering Robert Durst, and it will probably be a two-parter. <laughs> First one, coming in high. I know. Of the year, 2021. But I have, like, nine pages just with episodes one through four, and it's a six-parter. And that's shit. not even taking us into his current trial, so... Wow. Okay, We have a lot exciting. to talk about. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the John Bonet 2020 special was good. When there's new information, I will listen unbiasedly and mm-hmm. I will take it in. Um, I had no idea about the Smith family, about them yeah. doing a three-generational, like, That's amazing. deep dive into that. Yeah. So the intruder theory on that, we have to do John Bonet eventually. So um, I want to do John Bonet eventually because in the last year, I have changed my mind. And see, and I told Kara that because we were watching it and I was like, do you know that Kenzie thinks it wasn't who we all think it was? I was like, <laughs> he who dead shall ass, name like dead ass was like, <laughs> it's, it's her biological close relative. <laughs> close in age. Yes. <laughs> A child themselves, if you will. Right. And, you know, I've never been totally convinced on the whole parent thing, but, like, I could have bought into alleged sibling situation there. Um, And that was kind of where I favored. I was like, yeah, totally. That's what makes sense. Duh. Everybody knows it. We all know it. But then I listened to a cult leader podcast. Um, Spencer Henry does that one. That one's really good. He had on uh, Mikey from Glamangor. She does a YouTube channel. And she's, like, adamant that it wasn't who, who we, we all think, think it is. Was, yeah. And had really good logic and reasoning for her perspective. Then I listened to True Crime, True Crime Garage that did a six-part thing, um, yeah. a deep dive. And I was like, damn, okay. Now I'm really starting to question it. Yeah. And then I watched the 2020 special, and I'm like... Yeah. I, the only thing that doesn't make sense to me is having a three-page ransom ransom note. But if you think if somebody is, like, mentally unhinged, that's totally a possibility. And, um, You know, it would be interesting to, to find out what is, like, the average ransom note length. Because I I know, think they, they said in that 2020 episode that the average length is, like, uh, a few sentences. Right, a page at yeah. most. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things. The the cobwebs on the windows that I want to look into more. The unknown DNA. The That's false the thing confessions. Is the DNA under her nails and around her don't match anyone in the family. Right. And you can't argue with DNA. No, we really can't. So if anything, the 2020... You're open to other theories now. Yes. I'm not saying yes or no on what we all think. But, again, it's at least opened my eyes to other possibilities. Yes. So, they did a really good job. I think it's a two-hour special. But that detective trusted that story so much from the Ramseys that John Ramsey actually spoke at Lou's funeral. Yes, I saw that. Which I was like... That like, you have to be shit. 110% yeah. convinced that they did not do Absolutely. it for you to be willing to gamble on that. Absolutely. Yeah, I saw that the dad spoke at his funeral and I was like, holy shit. Like, they were tight with the family because they were probably trying to figure out who it was. Yeah. Together. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. If anything, like you said, it's opened me up to other possibilities. Yeah. So, if you haven't seen it, go see it. I don't know. It's probably on YouTube now. I don't know. I'm going to, like form a more solid opinion on that and then next I'm gonna move into like reevaluating my feelings on Scott Peterson. Oh 
Cause I that have, one I don't know if you could push me off of. I, like, there is a twinge of doubt there now that's creeping in that I can't ignore anymore. Yeah. Like, it's like an itch that yeah. I need to scratch. So I either need to, itch. I need to either, like, reaffirm my, right. like, dedication to his guilt or I, I you need know to explore the fun? possibility that there's something else. You know what would be fun? Let's, how about for the, you know, after... Robert Durst, let's both do research on it. On Scott Peterson? Yeah. Okay. And come back and do an episode together. Okay. Of like, you found this, I found this, but what about this type of situation? Okay. That'll be nice. Just a conversation on it because I think I'm standing firm on one I'm side. I'm really nervous that my opinion's going to change and people are going to be so angry with me. And, but... that's, and that's okay though. I mean. Here's my thing. The, okay. <laughs> Soapbox, pull it out. Yeah. Um, here's my thing. I keep going back to how the American justice system is set up in the fact that you can't convict somebody if you haven't proven beyond a reasonable doubt. And I, regardless of my feelings, my personal feelings of whether or not he's innocent or not, I'm inclined to think, yes, he's guilty, but I don't think it was proven. And that's the and part that's that I get. A couple yes. times. And so I get a little yeah. hung up on that because I don't truly believe that people should be convicted that haven't been proven beyond a reasonable yeah. doubt. That's how mistakes are made. Right. Um, so I think I, we've had that in a couple of cases that we've covered that we're like, yeah, you know, he might have been guilty, but they, the police or the prosecutor didn't do a good job of even... Mm-hmm. Putting an effort to show that he's guilty. And we're going to dive into that more. Short of a confession. Yeah, we're diving into that more in the Robert Durst, Durst case. Because right. there's some things that happen in a trial where the burden of proof isn't met. And there's right. public outrage based on the decision of the jury. So yeah. we'll talk. It's okay. a double-edged sword. So we'll talk about it more. But I'm open to possibilities with Scott Peterson. And it's like, sorry. Yeah. It is what it is. <laughs> All right. But so. Chris Watts is guilty as fuck. Okay. You can't convince me otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, we don't even have to discuss that one. I so. mean, he admitted it, so yeah. it is what it is. Okay, so here we go. Sorry. It's been about 15 minutes in. But we had a lot to catch up we on. We had a lot to catch up on. At least it's all mostly true crime related. So, like you guys have expressed before, and we feel the same. We're all friends, so we're just talking about true crime stuff. Yeah. For 15 minutes before yeah. we get started on one solid case. The next one we'll cut right to it because we've exhausted exactly. all of our material this time. <laughs> all right. So today's case, and you probably heard of this. Um, there's a couple of podcasts that both Mackenzie and I listen to um, in common. And I also went and listened to every single podcast available on this just because the way that I had to research this case, I was doing other stuff, so listening was a lot better than, than reading a lot. So, um, Any shout-outs you want to give? Yeah, so Talk Murder to Me okay. did an excellent, excellent, excellent job at this. That's a great podcast name. It really... Oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's Please. two girls and a guy. I believe uh, they drink. Which is fantastic. So you have to bear with them a little bit because there's some hard edits because they are a little drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Which makes just for fun stuff, fun chatter. But I applaud them for the amount of pictures that they were able to dig up. They have a website which is called talkmurder.com which for every episode they have 
all the pictures that they found, all the evidence that they found. And mm. for this specific episode, they found a lot of evidence pictures that were not easily accessible by a Google search. Okay. So it really helped put things into perspective. Morbid Girls covered mm. this case as well. They did, uh, I think, like an hour and a half on it. So they did a really good job on this as well. Um, if you have a chance, I would definitely recommend to talk murder to me. Their episode was released February of 2020. Have we even said what the topic is yet? No. Okay. No. So okay. the the episode was uh, released in February, and it's the scream murder of Cassie Joe Stoddard, a.k.a. the scream murder. Scream as in the movie. Right. The franchise. A great movie. I watched it last night again. <laughs> I've never seen it. What? Yeah. As I was sitting there, too, I was like, I bet you Mackenzie hasn't seen it because she doesn't like slasher movies. Movie references are lost on me. Just to give you a recap, then, of Scream, and then for anyone that maybe hasn't seen it or hasn't seen it in a while, because I had to go back and refresh it, my, my memory on it. So the Scream movie, it has Drew Barrymore. It starts off with Drew Barrymore. Oh, with her Bless thin eyebrows. Her heart. And short blonde bob, I love it. That's truly where like the thin eyebrow trend started. Was that movie? That with movie. Her eyebrows. Oh, that's funny. Because none of us were ever the same afterwards. So it was released in 1996. Mm-hmm. And this is where the you know if you haven't heard this, you probably I mean you probably have the. Do you like scary movies? So she's home alone, and she picks up the phone. Wrong number. Whatever. She hangs up. And then someone keeps calling and they are terrifying her because they're like, I can see you and your boyfriend's outside and I killed him. I mean, I would say spoiler alert, but this movie's like 30 years old now. Yeah. You um, had your chance. <laughs> yeah. So eventually she gets killed. Although That's it's like not the first 30 part the years old. You said it was 1996. Yeah. Don't age me that way. Okay, it's 25 years old. God. <laughs> wow. I was like, wait a minute. Am I really that old? No, no, oh, I'm not. That's funny. Um, <laughs> so it, it, that's like the first part of the movie. It's like a whole five, ten minutes. She's terrified running around the house. She gets killed. And then by someone wearing the Halloween mask. Or sorry, the ghost face mask. I'm right. sorry. And then the actual movie starts, which is where... So high school girl, she has a boyfriend... And her mom got killed the summer before. Unbeknownst to her, it was the boyfriend that killed the mom. There's a killer going after her. Obviously, we know now it's the boyfriend. But while he's trying to get to her, he's terrifying her. He's terrifying the whole town, the whole high school kids. And it ends up at one of the parties. Gets revealed that it's him and one of his friends that put this all together trying to terrify her try to terrify the town to kill her okay so that's okay. the premise of the story in this movie mm-hmm. a little fun fact for you actually i don't know why you haven't seen this because this is where courtney cox met david arquette on the set of scream and where she became courtney arquette cox fun fact you know what's really cute is in the episode after they got married in real life yeah on the intro credits i think it is mm-hmm. they change everybody's last name to arquette, arquette cox so yeah. it's like jennifer arquette cox and yeah. uh matthew arquette cox or whatever so everybody's name in the credits is 
their last name, their new yeah. last name. That's just a little fun friends trivia for you. Oh, they met on the set of Scream cute. with his little terrible mustache for a cop. Oh, he was the worst cop ever on this movie. I mean, it was meant to be that way, but he was like the small town cop that like he couldn't catch a criminal if they fell in their lap type of thing. You yeah. Know? But she was Gail Weathers, the reporter, um, that was doing a book on said high school girls whose mom got killed the summer before and had been following this girl around to try and get a, a story from her. So eventually, Gail or Courtney got involved in the whole hubbub of the last killing scene. Okay. Okay. So if you haven't seen Scream, definitely recommend it. It's on HBO Max. So this movie was released in 1996, and the case that we're talking about today takes place in 2006, so okay. about 10 years later. What's interesting is that at this point, Scream had become a franchise. There is, I want to say, four Screams, maybe five. Sure, that sounds Something right. Something like that. Yeah. There's a lot of Screams. They get worse as they go on. For me, the original is the best. Just because you don't that's know just, what's coming. That's you know? true to just about anything except the so, Lord of the Rings franchise. Never seen them. Oh my gosh, so good. <laughs> and I'm not usually into that kind of stuff, but it's really good. And also, Legolas can holla. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the victim in this case is Cassie Joe Stoddard. Cassie Joe, And we're going to be talking about three different boys. I'll try and keep them all straight. She had, she was 16 at the time. Mm-hmm. She had a boyfriend of five months at the time. They were all juniors in high school at Pocatello, Idaho High School. So, small town type of place. Yeah. And his name was Matt Beckham, 16-year-old. Yeah. He had two friends who were also juniors in high school. Uh, one is Brian Draper, 16 years old. And the other is Tori Adamchick. Also 16 years old. All juniors, all around the same age, what have you. Of the three, Brian and Tori got really, really close to each other. They had only known each other for a couple of months at this point when this all went down. So Brian, the only thing that I can find on his background was that they moved to small town in Idaho and that he was adopted. The biggest thing that stands out is that he was obsessed with Columbine. Obsessed. He was also fascinated with making movies. Mm -hmm. So everywhere he went, he was shooting a camera. He was recording everything, even menial stuff, just like walking down the halls of school, talking to people, what have you. He would have been a, a hella TikToker in today's day Ew. And age. Ew. But yes, he would record everything. And now we know, I mean, spoiler alert, Cassie dies, right? right? But now there's video evidence that he was acquaintances, friends with Cassie. So there's shots of him recording her in class, you know, Probably before the teacher comes in, everyone's noisy, mm-hmm. they're talking, she's flipping off the camera, like, they're friends. Well, and this would have been, like, kind of, like, a, a nuisance, I would think, because cell phones, camera phones were not a thing no, at this. Well, not, they kind of were. They were. six, but not... Not really, and not high not, quality. He really nope. would have had to, like, have Probably like a, a razor. 
Or but even then, yeah. 2006 was like razor time. Yeah, so it's not like uh, not like you're filming on your not phone. Not a recording type phone. So there's video footage of her like in the halls between classes, whatever. He's recording her, asking her questions, what have you. So he's obsessed with the movie industry, with making scary movies, horror movies. And what he's explained about Columbine is that he liked... The power, and you have to cover Columbine for me at one of these I days. Will. I know you said you would. It's so. su- such an interesting story. So he expressed that he liked the fame, the power that these guys mm-hmm. got from, you know, everything. Like they wore the matching trench coats into the, the class or to the high school or whatever. And there's also video footage of them right. practicing and oh, everything like so, that. So. He liked the theatrics that they put into this event. Mm -hmm. He liked that. He loved it. And he also really enjoyed just the... hmm, Yeah, just the power that they commanded. Yeah. um, While they were at the high school. And just the infamy that they got. Because it was immediately, you know, nationwide news and all these things. So, he was obsessed with it. Yeah. When he met Tori... I don't know how you start bringing up this conversation, but like we all do at parties and bring up true crime. You just go with it. Yeah. So eventually they found that they had this in common, not Columbine, but that they really liked horror, terror, killing. And Tori was really obsessed with the Scream franchise. He was obsessed with the horror movie, the slasher movies, but specifically Scream because he liked the part where the perpetrator was instilling fear and he was in control of someone else's fears and reactions. Oh, I hate that. And he also liked the fact that... uh, He also liked movies. He Mm -hmm. liked making movies. So he was all for Brian walking around with a camera and recording, you know, everything in their lives, their everyday lives. So I'm going to cut straight to the chase to, like... The day yeah. before Perfect. type of thing. So Cassie was a, you know, beautiful, smart girl, straight A student. Everyone loved her type of girl. She had this boyfriend. She was junior in high school. She was, you know, I'm sure popular in her own, you know, whatever. So she was very responsible. So her aunt and uncle who lived nearby asked her to house sit while they were going on a trip for a weekend. It, their last name was Contreras. And they asked her to babysit. They had three dogs and two cats, I think. So obviously got to feed them, walk them, do the whole bit. Yeah. They had a really big house in not a remote area, but the way I understand it, and I have friends that live in Idaho, when you buy in Idaho, you get a lot of land. Yeah. So even though it might seem remote... You know, it's there's you just some have distance a lot of land between, between you and your exactly. neighbor. Exactly. Yeah. She was going to go house it. This was the weekend of September twenty second, two thousand six, and because she's respectful and just thoughtful, she asked her aunt and uncle, "Hey, do you mind if one of the nights my boyfriend comes over, just watch the movies, hangs out with me, blah blah blah?" Sure. Why not? She they were down to let the the boyfriend come over, Matt. And obviously this wasn't spur of the moment. I'm sure there was like maybe like a week or so planning of like, you know, them going on a trip, who's going to house it. 
Matt was aware that she was going to be there and he was going to come over and he invited Brian and Tori to come over. The way that they say they understood it, that it was supposed to be like a kickback type thing. Mm -hmm. So Matt's over and then eventually Brian and Tori come over. Tori is the one with the car and they they start hanging out. They get like a little house tour type situation. There's a small gym room. So the boys start like, you know, playing with the weights and stuff because they're high school boys, whatever. And they're like, look, bro, I can bench yeah, 65 pounds. Right. <laughs> so they, they go to the house. They're hanging out. There's no drinking involved or drugs that we know of. And then... They watch Kill Bill 2. Mm-hmm. And from what I understand, they don't watch the whole thing. So Brian and Tori, they're like, oh, man, we thought this was going to be like a kickback type thing, like a party, and it's not. It's just kind of boring. If I want to see something scary, I'll just go to the movies. And so that's what they said they were doing. They said, we're leaving. We're going to go to the movie theater. We're just going to go watch that new Pulse movie. Um. Have you seen the Pulse movie? No. Neither did they. They, they did not go to the movies and watch that movie. <laughs> Couldn't tell you a thing about it. Nope. So, they, as they were doing the house tour, though, unbeknownst to Cassie and Matt, Brian unlocked the back door. The boys say that they're going to the movies. Mm-hmm. And about 15 minutes later, 15, 20 minutes later, Cassie and Matt are in the house. I mean, probably making out. I don't know. All of a sudden, all the power goes out. Yeah, that's where I I see myself out. And neither of them had the guts to go, like... Investigate what's happening. No, because the person that goes um, and looks for that first is the one that dies exactly. first. So Paris Hilton type. Little did we know at this point, little did they know that Brian and Tori A didn't go to the movies like they said they were going to. They went down the street, got changed into their murder outfits. All black, if I remember right, yep. right? Yeah. And a mask and gloves. And they snuck back into the house because they had left that back door open. At this point, the lights were out. Uh, Brian and uh, Matt and Cassie are trying to figure out, you know, what happened, what's going on. One of the dogs is going crazy mm-hmm. at the top of the stairs towards the basement. The basement is where the power box is. So Brian and Tori had flipped off the power box. Mm-hmm. Time goes on, they're scared, but nothing happens at that point. Mm -hmm. And then Matt calls his mom, like, hey, mom, you know, the the power's out. Mama's already on on her way to pick him up. And he he asked mom, hey, mom, can I spend the night? You know, the lights just went out and Cassie's really scared. I just want to be here with her. And she's like, my 16-year-old son with a 16-year-old girl in the house by themselves? No, you cannot spend the night. I'm coming to get you anyway. But if you want, Cassie can come with us. But Cassie said no, she didn't want to go because she was still responsible for the three dogs, two cats. 
So she was still responsible to stay in the house. Some power came back before Matt left. Mm -hmm. And that was when Matt came out. And after Matt was leaving Cassie's house, his mom was picking him up. um, He had already had some plans to maybe go to Tori's house to Mm -hmm. spend the night. And... So he called Tori as he was leaving when his mom picked him up and said, hey, you know, are you still down? Like, can I come still to your house? Or my, my mom's going to drop me off, whatever. We don't know the extent of that conversation. Mm-hmm. But at this point, Tori's in the basement of Cassie's house with Brian. So Matt didn't know that. Mm-hmm. But basically, he had given Tori the green light. Like, Cassie's home alone now. Mm. I mean, right. not knowingly. Not right. knowingly. The boys, Brian and Tori, started their plan of scaring the fuck out of Cassie by making banging noises in the basement, the dogs going crazy, and they turned some lights on, sometimes, you know, some lights off, whatever. They're fucking with her. Absolutely fucking with her. Like, this is horrible. Can you imagine a 16-year-old? Also, my first instinct would be go outside. I, yeah, if my, if I had a dog standing at the top of the stairs of a basement and wouldn't go down nope. and is acting like that, goodbye. Yep. Like. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm running outside. Yep. Also, at this point, I don't know if she had a cell phone. She probably did. Actually, she probably did because Matt tried to get a hold of her later. Mind you, 2006, I can with 100% certain to say there is no flashlights on your cell phone. Yeah. So, at most, a backlight on a phone screen. But she's in the pitch dark. Like, I, I couldn't imagine. That no. is literally my one fear. And I, I, I would have such a problem if I were, like, um, Matt's mom. Like, being like, yeah, I'm totally cool just leaving this 16-year-old girl in this house by herself when everything is acting super weird. Like. Yep. Nobody thought, maybe we should call her parents and just be like... Something or... Or like, why don't you come with me and then, you know, come back in the morning and double check on everything. But like, you don't need to stay here by yourself tonight. Those dogs will be fine. Because they will be. They would have been. They stomp up the stairs. So not even walk up the stairs. Mm -hmm. So imagine being a 16-year-old girl. You're already fucking terrified because you're in the dark, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure she was. And then you hear not one set of fucking footsteps banging up your steps, but two sets of fucking steps of footsteps coming up, the basement steps. Nope. So the boys come out, and they brutally attack her. She was stabbed a total of 30 times... 12 of the stabs alone would have been fatal on their own. The majority to her torso and throat. And they leave her there. And that's it. And then they leave her there. Mm -hmm. The boyfriend's gone, Mm -hmm. right? No one's planning on coming back that night. The boys go and they drive off to... Towards Black Canyon, a small secluded area in the, or part of a mountain in the area. 
Aren't they, like, filming themselves at this yes. point? Yeah. So as they're driving away towards this Black Canyon area, again, because they're filming everything, short of the actual murder, they filmed everything else that's condemning. Uh, Brian is in the passenger seat, Tori's driving, and Brian says, I killed her. I just killed Cassie. And he's like, I stabbed her in the throat and I watched her disappear. Like, I was like, this is unreal. Not direct quote, but along the lines. We'll post the video, guys. And Tori says, shut the fuck up. We've got to get our act straight. Yeah. And then they continue on to Black Canyon. They take off everything that they're wearing that they had with them and they one of them stays in the car I don't know exactly who starts a small fire and then once they think it's burned enough or something he digs a small hole in the ground tosses everything in there and then go home and continue watching scary movies like you would do right Matt The next day, I believe that was a Saturday, the next day goes and hangs out with Tori, spends the night, and... That would be such a sickening feeling when you know what happens afterwards. Exactly. He can't get a hold of Cassie, so, all day, so, you know, in the evening, he asked Tori, like, hey, do you mind driving me by, you know, where Cassie's house sitting? I want to check on her. She hasn't answered any of my phone calls or anything. And he has no, I have enough gas to just get me through the week so I can't take you over there. Her aunt and uncle get there the next day and her 13-year-old cousin, Kelsey, walks in first. She sees some broken glass and keeps walking through and in the living room is where she finds her cousin, Cassie, in dead for two days at this point yeah with dogs running through that with yeah exactly dogs cats and then you know of course they call the police all these things the mom gets there they don't let the mom in to see um so she is not sure exactly how or what you know happened cassie's mom i mean so she immediately picks up the phone and calls matt because as far as she knows, that's the last person that was there. As far as the aunt and uncle know, that's the only person she asked permission to have over. Yeah. They didn't know about the two other boys that would be coming over. So the mom calls Matt and starts asking, what did you do to my daughter? What did you do to my daughter? And of course, he doesn't know what the hell's happening, so... Poor kid is caught blindsided by that question because he doesn't know what's going on. He's trying to process the fact that she's dead. Absolutely. And the boys, uh, of course, the uh, Matt goes in, talks to the cops. He, you know, with his parents, gives them the timeline. I was there. My mom picked me up. Da 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 da. And the boys were here. They left. They went to the movies. What have you. The, the power went out, you know, right before I left and all these things. So, of course, the cops are going to go talk to Brian and Tori. Hello. And at first, the boys are like, yep, we were there. No big deal. We went to hang out. They told us it was going to be a party. It turned out it was just the four of us, so we left. We wanted to see something scary. And we went to the movies. Cops were like, okay, what movie did you go see? Pulse. 
Oh, okay. Well, sounds... what was it about? I don't know. Who was in it? I don't know. What time did it start? I don't know. It was just a scary movie. The fuck you mean? I mean, Yeah, you honestly, can't give us a single plot line here. Somehow they produced ticket stubs. Obviously, they proved that it wasn't them. Again, small town, so the lady at the ticket counter and the lady taking the tickets to go into the movie theater, both high school girls, and they both knew of these kids. Maybe we weren't friends with them, but they interviewed them, and they're like, no, I would have remembered seeing them come in, and, you know, yeah. these they didn't come in and see this. Also, if you saw a movie two days ago... You could say what it's about. Even if you hated it, yeah. you remember what you hated about it. Especially if you're a horror movie connoisseur. Like, you would remember what the right. hell happened to it in it. So they couldn't get their story straight on that. All right. So once the cops checked out, like, all right, you weren't at the movies. Let's try this again. You know, so they brought him in for another interview. These are without parents at this point. Which was, they were read their Miranda rights. Mm-hmm. But they were without parents, which is fine. The cops did everything by the book. And then eventually when Brian did, when the boys separately asked for parents, interviews were stopped. It's all on recording. Parents were brought in. At that point, parents brought in attorneys and there was no more talking. But up until this point, everything's by the book. The boys, before, you know, attorneys, were throwing blame on each other. Brian was like, it was supposed to be a prank. We were just there to prank her. You don't bring knives to a prank. No. First of all, they were blaming each other until Tori broke and was like, let me take you to this burn pile without saying anything first. And that's where they found the holy grail of all the evidence that they could possibly fucking need. So included in that burn pile that was buried... What they found were matches, a pair of black gloves, rubber gloves, a pair of like tennis shoes, fingerless gloves, a lot of gloves, <laughs> a burned or like a melted bottle of hydrogen peroxide, two masks, which were almost like a, a blank theater mask or like full oh, face mask yeah. that was covered in like fake blood. Mm. Um... Kind of like the ones from The Strangers, but with no paint on them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and then also a pair of Puma gloves, a Calvin Klein Jesus, shirt. How many gloves do you need? I know. Uh, a pair of Calvin Klein... Well, because some of them were soaked in blood. Well, but So I think they were switching out, but also how many pairs of gloves do you keep on you? But also anyway. fingerless gloves. <laughs> yeah. like Just in case I want to look cool. In case I want to leave my fingerprints all over. <laughs> Which they did. Um, Calvin Klein shirt that had Cassie's blood on it, a pair of socks, a piece of black cord, which doesn't seem to have been used in anything. But I could see where they were going with but it. But yeah. they had it on them. And then a videotape, which was semi-destroyed, and the cops re- uh, repaired it and transcribed it. So they were able to repair and that's what we got, that's where we have that um, after the stabbing footage brian saying i Uh killed her i killed her right so they gathered all that from the burn pile and they're like okay boys let's sit you back down yeah try this a third time yeah 
they finally admitted to the stabbing that the prank went too far and that the stabbing happened. Mm-hmm. Tori was saying that he didn't stab her at all, that it was all Brian. And then the cops weren't buying that. So they were like, well, maybe did Brian make you do it? Did he make you stab her mm-hmm. at all? And he's like, okay, well, yeah, you know, we were in, you know, we were, he, he wanted me to do some too. So I maybe stabbed her three or four times. So he admitted to stabbing her as well. Poor Matt, of course, because he was the first one there. But they cleared him eventually because it was kind of suspicious, that whole, like, calling Tori right before type thing. But he had no knowledge of what was going on. What's really weird is that the day before this all happened, mind you, the boys were already weird at school because they were writing a horror movie script. Right. And they were always talking about it. But little did everyone know that they were actually writing plans for an actual murder. And Cassie was actually the first victim that they were able to go through with. Apparently, there was about four or five foiled plans already on other people. So when they mentioned Cassie in the videos, because they are literally talking about it, they they ditched their fourth period and they were in the library talking about it on videotape about how they had chosen Cassie, how some people just have to be sacrificed, and oh, I'm sorry to Cassie's family. Just like the most absurd bullshit from these two delusional guys. So if you're 16 years old right now listening to this and you're wondering... <laughs> Why the guy you like is such an idiot. (laughs) Or if you were 16 years old and you're still trying to figure out why the guy you liked at 16 was such an idiot. (laughs) We are not developed at that point. The brain development here is just mind-boggling. Where they just like... They're not there yet. They truly... (laughs) Oh, and it gets better because these boys like literally wanted to be remembered as like the how-to of being a serial killer. Like this is what they wanted. Yeah, but it really does show how how incapable they are Mm -hmm. of seeing long-term consequences. Absolutely. Because I guarantee you they never thought that they were going to have to spend the rest of their lives in prison for this. At some point, they were talking about like other serial killers while they're in the car driving somewhere and they get them wrong if and I they get right. them all yeah. wrong yeah so they're they mess up like ed kemper and ed gein and they mess up they're just like they're stupid boys right there's no better way to explain it than they're stupid boys and so it turns out you know before all this had happened of there is without a doubt premeditation Right. Right. It's all oh, written yeah. out. Obviously, yeah. Um, there is a note on part of the burn pile that's handwritten in pencil that's semi-burned. So what we can make out on it is that they had contention plans. Like, if something were to happen, we do this, yeah. you know, what have you. Kind of like a pick your... You choose know, your own adventure. Choose your own adventure <laughs> type of situation. Which they had decided that if Matt were to stay in the house and defend Cassie in any way, he was just going to be a casualty, and they would have killed him, too. Yeah. Like, the crazy thing is, is, like, these were their friends. I know. Exactly. Like, just, yeah. So there was... Uh, and if I remember right, like, Tori and Cassie were close. 
Like, not just, like, casual friends or whatever, but they were actually... I don't think they were close. She rejected him as boyfriend potential. Right, okay, so that's what... Yeah. yeah. So there had been, both, like, a both more Brian of a... Yeah. and Tori had crushes on Cassie, yeah. and she had rejected both of them. You know, probably, like, the whole, like, I like you, like you situation, and she was just like, uh, I don't. Also, I like your friend better, Matt, yeah. so... Um, so they had that in mind that if Matt had come down the stairs up to the basement that first time that the power, that they turned off the power, that they were going to kill him. Before all of this happened too, the boys had an acquaintance that was 18 years old Mm -hmm. go to a local pawn shop and gave him money to buy four different knives. The biggest correlation that, besides the terror factor to scream, Mm -hmm. the knife, which there was four knives found in the burn pile. It's believed that only two of them were used. One by each, one a serrated, one a straight knife. They're all hunting knives. But one of them looks exactly like the one on scream. It is crazy how like exactly it looks mm-hmm. like it. So I'm like, I think that's obviously what they were shooting for. Yeah. So they had this 18 year old kid or boy, man, whatever you want to call him, go buy these knives for him. So they had these knives already. So it was nothing like a, is there an age limit on being able to buy a knife? No, I looked that up, but in Idaho to buy it at a pawn shop, you have to be 18. Oh, you have to, I think anything at a pawn shop, you have to present ID. Right. Okay. So, and there was no charges brought on that person because they... He had no idea. He had no idea, and they told him that they needed him as movie props for a movie that they were going to be mm. making. Which wasn't a lie. Oh, God. I'm really glad they didn't record the actual murder. Yeah, that's which awful. the boys each had their separate trials, and, of course, their defense blamed the other. Tories had the leg up that Brian in the movie or in the footage says, I killed Cassie. I killed Cassie. I just murdered her. And Tori doesn't say anything like that. And Brian doesn't say, like, we killed Cassie. So that's what they were hanging their hat on, mm-hmm. that he wasn't making him culpable at that point by right. the words that he chose that second. But... He had admitted to, to stabbing, even just once. Even even just being in the same fucking room, I think, would make you guilty. Right. They both got life without parole, mm-hmm. which has now been a point of contention because... Of their age. Subsequently, right, they were still under 18 when they got sentenced to that. In Idaho, years after, there was a new law passed that... You cannot give someone underage life without the possibility of parole. Like, they have to have that possibility of parole. They have both contested it. They've both made appeals for it. They've all been denied just because of the severity of it. Mm -hmm. And their case is not a good fit to fit under that law, what have Mm -hmm. you. So there's been a lot of uproar from the community because it's like, these boys don't really deserve it. Right. Um, something else that I watched was, and this is completely available on YouTube, so go watch it on YouTube. It's called, uh, Lost for Life. Mm-hmm. The whole documentary is about kids or underage people who received life sentences while they were underage. Okay. So, it starts off with Brian and Tori. Okay. It talks about other people that are jailed for life, but 
the first two that are having the spotlight are Brian and Tori. Brian is not denying that it happened, that he did mm-hmm. it. He is showing some type of remorse. He seems, apo- you know, apologetic about it. He's saying, you know, kind of like if I could have done things differently type of thing. And he's getting interviewed by himself. Now, Tori, his parents are there for the interview and they keep interrupting him. Mm-hmm. They don't let him speak for himself. They maintain that he's innocent. Right. Why, I don't know. Because he's admitted to it. Right. The mom even wrote a book about it, about him being found guilty yeah. when she thinks he was innocent. Oh, my Lanta. Um, and How can you look at all of that evidence? And it's one thing to struggle as a parent uh, with the choices your child made. And I totally sure. understand that. But to just bury your head in the sand. And you can tell that the that Tori wants to speak about it, get his get the truth off his chest. You know what I mean? Like yeah. talk about it. Like they that keep would be stopping his, him. Absolutely. There are a brick wall. There he cannot even say, like, I'm sorry, what happened, what have you. Even yeah. without incriminating himself further. But the mom won't even let him speak. So it was just like, holy crap, what the hell are you doing, mom? Like, shut the fuck up. But um, and the dad, kind of the same thing. He said something along the words of, like, it's really hard to be in here when you're innocent or something like that. I'm just like, um, sir, do you need the transcripts that were made available to me? Because the court, I mean, yeah. your kid <laughs> literally said he stabbed her. It, it's just this weird thing with the parents. But yeah, unfortunately, Cassie was just a... A casualty of these two fucking idiots who thought they were going to be the the new standard in in serial killers. Oh my gosh. Um, And you know what's funny is that later there was an unsolved murder that happened about four blocks away from where Cassie, Cassie lived, not the house that she was sitting, of another young girl that was stabbed, that was unsolved, and... Maybe they're thinking Brian did it. Interesting. I'll look into that a little bit more, but for the time being, I'll, we'll post the videos on these. It is. It blows my mind that, like you said, they're not thinking of what's going to happen if someone watches this. Um, they're saying, we're going to kill her. Yeah. She's going to get killed. Here's how we're going to kill her. And here's, here's everything when we're going to kill her. Me. And then... We killed her. And even so, if even if there was some, like, doubt about Tori s- doing the physical act of stabbing, he was all part of the planning and, and the cover up to it and, and he was the, there yep. and, like, mm-hmm. sorry, if you're in a bank robbery and all you do is drive away the getaway car you're st- and somebody dies in that bank robbery, you're oh, still absolutely. going to prison for murder. Yep. Even if all you did was drive the getaway car. So they were arrested and charged only five days after. So it was pretty quick investigation yeah. after Tori was like, let's go look at the burn pile. <laughs> they're, they're just so moronic. Yeah. So, 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 so moronic. So underdeveloped. Um, Which is part of the reason that I don't entirely mind the idea of if somebody is underage, having that possibility, possibility. of them yeah. being able to have parole because... The things we do at 16 are not the same things that we do at 20. And the things that we do at 20 are not the same things we do at 30. Like but part of that is being able to so speak much. about it and to 
put into words either remorse or how you've changed and the parents are not letting Tori do that at all. Yeah, and Tori needs to man up. He he's not cuz he's he's a grown ass man at he this point. Is. So like you need to I mean at this point he's 46. I'll be interested to see what happens if and when his More parents action. die. Like at um, that point it'll be up to yeah. him to they're still trying hard for this new law where, you know, underage kids shouldn't have life prisons without parole. So we'll see what happens. But very, very interesting case. There was also they interviewed another classmate that said they had offered her a role in one of their upcoming movies oh. and stuff like that. And oh. like I'm like, oh my god, girl, what if you had said yes and they just killed you? Yeah, no, no. That makes Jesus me very uncomfortable. Christ. I, I'm glad they didn't record the actual killing. Yeah, same. That would so, have been horrible. That's the story of Cassie Joe Stoddard. Go watch Scream. Totally recommend it. Go watch the first 15 minutes of Lost for Life. Okay. And I will posting the videos that we have of them before, quote unquote, during and after. On the group. Yeah, on the group page. Um, nothing graphic per se, but the stuff that they're talking about. We don't want your kid to be on your phone and watch this. So yeah. Got to do it on purpose. Okay. Do you have a What the Florida? I don't. I do. Cool. Okay. <laughs> so in today's What the Florida, this one was a headline from June 11th of 2012. It says, Florida man arrested for calling 911 after kitten denied entry into strip club. Everett Legs, it looks like, was arrested outside the Emerald City Strip Club in Murdoch for repeatedly calling the emergency line to report that the club owner had refused to let his kitty into the jiggle joint, deputy said. <laughs> jiggle joint. <laughs> so they arrested him for calling 911 instead of like... For not letting in his pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Just wants to be with his own kind. <laughs> I thought all were welcome here. Yeah, right. Oh, that's funny. Uh, Good thing he got arrested. (laughs) Sir, that's not what 911 is for. (laughs) No. There should be harsher punishments for that. All right, guys. Cool. So uh, to get all of the inside information, you have a couple ways of doing that. You can follow us on Instagram at a stranger danger podcast. You can email us your listener stories or anything spooky that you would like us to read or research for you. And that email is a stranger danger podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, stranger danger, colon, a true crime podcast. And you can join the group stranger danger, colon, murder lovers you can find us on twitter using at sd true crime pod thanks thank you so much bye guys bye stay safe